0: This podcast is made possible by the support of our friends at Royal and Langnickel Brush. They've been making brushes for over 70 years and are dedicated to serving professional makeup artists around the globe. By supporting them, you're supporting this podcast. Check them out at royalbrush.com. Hi, I'm publisher, Michael Key. Welcome to the makeup artist magazine podcast, a show where we have candid conversations with the leaders of the pro makeup world about their art and the pain and glory of working in a creative industry. This episode is with Leonard Engelman. He has been a leader in our industry for over 50 years. Leonard has been a governor of the Academy of Motion Pictures and was the first makeup artist to serve as an Academy Vice President. He has been a personal makeup artist to Cher, Meg Ryan, Val Kilmer, Sylvester Stallone and others. In many films, Leonard has been the department head and he is highly skilled in everything from beauty to prosthetics. You should check out his IMDB because his credits are too many to mention. On a personal note, Leonard's been a mentor to me my entire career. I never stop learning from him. I'm delighted and honored to have him on our podcast. Enjoy. Thank you for taking the time to do this with me today. You've got a great story and I'm looking forward to being able to share it with others. Well, thank you. You're a second generation makeup artist. That's correct. Which I think only people who are paying really close attention know that.
1: Yeah. My father was uh, Leonard Engelman Sr. and uh, he served a three year apprenticeship at Columbia. Um, he was a makeup artist for about 10 years. He passed away when I was 11. Uh, and I had his uh, makeup cases and I used to play around with them. And by the time I was 13, I knew I wanted to be a makeup artist. And miracle after miracle took place, and, and I am where I am today.
0: There're probably a few things that happened in between that, because I know that, I've know you long enough. The, it, it you know, it just didn't fall into your lap. Like your father passed away at what age for you? When I was eleven. Yeah. So that's a big deal. That's you know, here's the hero in your life when you're a boy and and eleven years old, and your dad's the hero, and he's a makeup guy, so it gives you context for that part of the sandbox. And then you have to it's a number of years later when you're finally getting yourself a job yeah. and it wasn't it didn't start off in makeup though did
1: it no um, well in a way it did my um, my mother who had worked as a body makeup artist for part of the time um, she said that um, Yeah. It, um, I knew at 13 I wanted to be a makeup artist and my mother said well to be a makeup artist even what she knew you had to serve an apprenticeship And uh, so I couldn't serve an apprenticeship until I was 21. And I didn't realize until, I guess, probably about eight or nine years ago that my entire goal going through junior high and high school and college was to get to 21 so I could serve an apprenticeship. And I was just too naive and uneducated to think that that possibly could happen. Because there were so few, few apprentices, uh, and so I became—I turned 21. I went around to all of the studios and filled in applications and such, and um, it was laborer or anything that they would accept. And um, one evening, I went out with a, the girl that I was uh, going with then, and um, her cousin's roommate was working at Universal in the mailroom and he said, you know, um, I'm going to be, on Monday I'm going to be giving my notice. And so why don't you go into the Universal personnel and talk to them and maybe you can get the job right off. So boy, you know, 10 o'clock I'm there. And uh, we talked about it, and they said, no, we don't know anything about anybody leaving and everything. But he sa- they said, you know, why don't you go down the street here to, to um, the other personnel that was, was going on there uh, that did mainly TV. And um, so I went down there, we talked, and they said, well, you know, we, we do have somebody that we're moving up out of the mailroom in another position and, um, well, you're here, and you you already have a, you filled out an application from before, so why don't you just take the job? Another miracle. An absolute miracle. I was in the mail room. There were eight of us. Uh, five of them had master's degrees. Two of them were producer's sons. And this kid from Burbank who didn't have an AA. So in comparison, I didn't have the credentials to even be pedaling a bike delivering mail at Universal in comparison.
0: Let's do this. Let's talk about just the context of this because some people listening don't understand that how <clears throat> at that time, the only way you could really get in this industry was an apprenticeship. And they didn't... They didn't grow on trees. They were pretty rare opportunities, weren't they?
1: I was one of, um, I think, three apprentices in the United States. Mike Westmar was one. Uh, there was another makeup artist over at uh, our apprentice over at uh, at uh, Warner Brothers, and I, I think we were at.
0: that I mean, that is so so rare. You know, it's it's. I don't want to overstate it. It's not winning the lottery, but in in some ways it is because those that are trying to get in, I I think about like those things from Kung Fu are in the seventies and they show everybody's trying to get into the monastery so they can learn Kung Fu and they're waiting. There's all this test and there's so few to get chosen in a way that that was really your story uh, to be able to get a chance to even get your foot in the door for what came after.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and because I didn't have to be in the mailroom until 9 o'clock, uh, I would go into the makeup department every day at five thirty, six, 6, depending on what the, the time frame was of the makeups that were being done. Who was the department head of um, but, Bud Westmore was the department head. Jack Barron had been the department head for Universal, and on the very first day that I reported, Bob Don said to me, we happened to meet at the door, and he said, did you hear the news? Um, Bud Westmore is now ahead of both features and television. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got to be so careful of what I wish for, because Jack Barron had always been very cold to me, Mm. and Bud Westmore had been very open and warm and everything, and here I was, I was going to be now an apprentice for Bud Westmore.
0: Also, for those listening, if you're not familiar with the studio system, at that time, there was one makeup artist that was over the entire department for the entire studio which which is very different than today which each production is kind of their own lone ranger in what they do so Bud Westmore's name went on everything that came
1: out of Universal absolutely he might not, not even have seen the actors and his credit his name was on on the credit pretty amazing marketing because every for
0: I remember Patrick Stewart talking about that he had, he had seen the name Westmore and he assumed that This person had done all all that work. It's um, it's definitely light years before IMDB. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the credit was all being given to one Mm -hmm. person. And that was the regime in which you came under.
1: Yeah. And if you did get a credit uh, for probably 10 years after that, if you did get a credit, it was a major, major accomplishment.
0: People uh, take all that for granted now. That's one of the reasons I really want people to hear your story to understand the context of makeup artists probably came and went and had entire careers and never got a screen credit. Oh,
1: absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Now, IMDb does show uh, credits from, you know, that period where they've pulled them up. My father, um, who had Leonard Ingleman Sr., um, if you look up Leonard Ingleman, you know, because I never used Junior, if you look up for IMDb, it looks like Leonard Engelman's credits go all the way back to 1942, I think it is. <laughs> but at that
0: time, you know, the power that Bud Westmore had, I mean, the Westmores controlled um, the majority of makeup departments in Hollywood, but the power that he wielded as as that department head was far more so than anything that we see really now.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there, at, like you say, at one time, you know, there, almost every... Studio the makeup department was a Westmore I think Frank Westmore was the only one that didn't end up with a uh, department head
0: Bud Westmore had a reputation of all kinds of stories myth and lore that that, that surround him uh, people their' apprentices they're off working on his boat and uh, rather than learning makeup and, and things like that were those true
1: absolutely <laughs> Um, I think at the time that he had the apprentices working on his boat, I think at that point I was already a journeyman. But, yeah, he would have them go out and, uh, you know, work on the boat. And um, strangely, one day, the business representative have no idea how this happened, but the business representative showed up at the boat and said... I think I don't know if it was Brian or who it was Jim McCoy maybe said hi Jim how you doing and Jim of course panicked because he knew that and he's an apprentice under Bud Westmore he, that's right and so um, shortly after that they didn't work on the uh, the boat anymore yeah a hi. little bit of a misuse of power there just a bit yes
0: so this is uh, so you're under this apprenticeship what year is this
1: Oh, God, I started in uh, 1951. I was in the mailroom, a fellow by the name of Dave Levinson, who was in the mailroom at the time. And he said to Dave, he says, OK, sit down. He says, I'm going to make a phone call. So he called the head of, um, of review production. And he said, listen, we've got a fellow in the mailroom. Uh, he wants to be a makeup artist. Um, he's very... Dedicated and aggressive He's in the makeup department every morning Watching And uh, I'd like for you to have an interview with him So Set up the date and the time So he hung up the phone And he says, okay, you're all set And Dave said, well, you know what Um, I'm sure Leonard Engelman is going to be really happy That you set this up But my name's Dave Levinson And I want to be a producer So another miracle Okay, so I obviously keep the appointment, and I'm sitting there in the, uh, on the couch. Um, with and this the, is
0: prior to, so we have this, this is actually, this is how you got into the makeup department, from oh, the Correct,
1: middle. right, correct. Uh, so I'm sitting there on the couch, and we've talked for about five minutes, and he says, now, Leonard Engelman, he says, was your father Leonard Engelman Sr.? And I said, yes, he was. And he says, oh, my God. And he picks up the phone and he calls the assistant um, head of production. He says, come in here, there's somebody I want you to meet. So he came in, you know, partially through the door. And the head of the department said, this is Leonard Engelman's kid. He turned to me and said, you have an apprenticeship. Another miracle, huge miracle.
0: You know, to, to lose your father is a huge loss. That obviously, he set up a, a legacy that you uh, benefited from. For them, he obviously had made quite the impression with these fellows for, for you to have that clout.
1: Yeah, I think he was only in the industry uh, 10 years, three years as an apprentice. Part of the time, he was in the service, uh, and then he passed away, and it had to be just about 10 years. But he was so remembered that, well, the perfect example is the head of production. So I started my apprenticeship. Well, I didn't start my apprenticeship. I said to him, I said, you know what? Um, I can't really, I haven't been in, in the service yet. Uh, I said, I'm registered with the reserves and this and that and all. So he said, okay, we'll get the service out of the way and uh, you have an apprenticeship. So my fiance. I had been waiting until I was more established and out of the the meal room um, before we were going to get married. And about three weeks later, Kennedy makes the announcement that married men will not be drafted. So this wouldn't
0: have been early fifties. I was actually questioning that because you said Jack Barron had been over TV, and TV would have only been around just for a few years. I bet this is more like sixty-one. Perhaps, Because you're talking about yes, Kennedy.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry, you're right. So he, Kennedy made the announcement. So my fiancé and I were just waiting to get married until I had a better position, and so we decided to go ahead and set the date. Move forward. Yeah. So I came back to, um, to the head of production, and I explained to him that my fiancé and I were going to get married on such and such date. And he said, okay, great. He said, uh, would you like a week's honeymoon? time for a week's honeymoon I said yeah that'd be great he says okay so you start on such and such date a miracle I mean miracle after miracle happened in my life
0: when your dad did his apprenticeship was that at Universal no he was at Columbia Columbia okay and that would have been under um, would that be Gordon Bow? under under uh, Clay Campbell there we go yeah but obviously the folks at, at Universal knew him
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. What was your apprenticeship like? Uh, my appren- I had a great apprenticeship. Um, it was um, sort of different situations. When I first started as an apprentice, um, I was in, in the makeup department all the time. And then as time went along, the Universal started the tours. And... Um, there was a period of time where they had a makeup demonstration set up in the commissary basement. And Perce Westmore would be doing the, the speaking, and Mike Westmore would be doing the makeup application.
0: For our, our, our listeners to do this, Perce Westmore had been the department head prior to that, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, of uh, Warner Brothers. That's correct. he was one of the... Uh, more prominent of uh, the Westmore brothers Hmm. and he had come to work he he ended up losing his job uh, because of television actually and then came to work for his younger brother Bud Right. so he ended up there but he had all this vast knowledge and and experience he was
1: just an unbelievably great makeup artist in every single area and was happy to share it well at at um, after the, the tours had been going a while, um, Bud needed Mike Westmore up in the lab, so I went in and did the demonstration did the applications, and Pers did the, Pers did the, um, you know, the, the dialogue. And then after a period of time, Purse was really tired with it, so I, and because I had been um, used to speaking in front of groups, um, I started doing the the discussion and one of the other apprentices would be doing. So eventually, we ended up... You've told me this before, and I've never asked. What
0: opportunities had you had to speak in front of groups before that?
1: My mother was very involved with the, the church, and so I... You know, was in, involved with the church also. I, you know, taught Sunday school class. I, I led the congregation in singing. Um, I just learned something new about you. <laughs>
0: I've known you a long time. I never knew that.
1: Yeah. So you know, there were opportunities to speaking. Um, when I went to college, I took some speech classes. Um, I majored in English, even though I knew I wanted to be a makeup artist, but because it was easy for me to to write and to speak and such. So. That was sort of the background that, that led into it in time they had they moved the, the tours up on the hill uh, and so most of the time was up there so I was doing the speaking several other makeup artists would be doing the application and after a period of time I hated it because I felt that it, the tours were keeping me from being in the makeup department and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I swore that when the tours got done, or when the, when I finished my apprenticeship, I would never drive up that hill again. Mm. Okay? So you really Be- didn't want to do that? No. Because they had us doing, you know, going out after the demonstration, going out to the makeup counter and selling the product and everything. And I... Was that the House of Westmore product? No. No. It, it was another product. I don't remember the name of it, but it was just available at the tours. Uh, and so I thought, no, you know, I don't want to be doing, involved in sales. You know, that's not my deal. Mm-hmm. Well, a few years after that, I was working for a cosmetic company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They kept talking to me, talked to me. Finally, I went. So here I am involved in sales and training. A few years after that, I had my own, <laughs> my own cosmetic company and now I'm doing sales and all, all the things that I hated on the tour, mm-hmm. but again, some small miracles that went along the way.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the things that lead up to what our people know you for now, you know, you, the work that you've done with the academy and the things that you've done. And But there was, it's all those experiences and skills that got honed along the way that empowered you to be able to do those. But the, the tours I don't know if they still do that or not at Universal, but there was a long legacy of, of these, you know, people being on the tour and, mm-hmm. and getting experience in doing that. Yeah.
1: No, it did, you know, it did give a great opportunity because as you say later on the whole concept changed to, you know, different characters and, and stuff so it and fright, frightening things and so yeah. it did give an opportunity for a lot of makeup artists to learn the craft and hone their craft. Before really get into getting into the possibility of film and television,
0: what was the the brand that you worked for? I've forgotten the name of that that you went away at and you stepped out of makeup to go do that.
1: Um, it was for um, G- Jeunesse, Jeunesse Cosmetics, right. which is still around. Are they okay? Mm-hmm. And how, how long was that that you were kind of stepped out of the, the line there? For? I was there for five years. Um, every Christmas, I used to go back, and I, I was in a management position. Um, I had my own secretary, my car, my own office, you know, very much in management. It
0: seems like the one thing you told me is that rates had changed quite a bit in that five years. Well, they did, yeah. Because the breakdown of the Hollywood studio system and you're working underneath under yeah. the company to working freelance and now being able to negotiate your own rates. Yeah.
1: I used to go back to the Christmas party every year that they had in the makeup department. And uh, one year, it's about five years later, one year I was talking to a makeup artist and he was telling me what he was making and what some of the other top makeup artists were making. And I thought, wait a minute, they're making more than I am and I'm in management with this company. So that night I went home and I called several different makeup artists, some that I knew were really strong and some that were, you know, sort of okay. And some of the okay makeup artists were making what I was making. So the next, the next week, I walked in and, and gave my notice. Not sure how much I was going to be working right away and everything, but I called around to Nick Marcelino, who was then head of the makeup department at Universal. A few other department heads told him that I was coming back, and uh, Nick called me. I think the next day and said uh, we need um, we need you to go to um, someplace in the Midwest uh, and uh, it's ball caps and I said okay great now I hadn't put a ball cap on for five or six years but I went out to the out to my garage and looked at my cases and said okay yeah I remember that I remember that and I was very vast in ball caps so that worked out great and that was you know, getting back into it in like two
0: days. So they, back then, did they have that ruling that you had to work so many days every few years in order to stay on the roster? Maybe that's prior to them establishing
1: it. Um, they did. I'm, I'm sure they did, but I don't think it was really, um, you know, followed very hard mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. So because, you
0: were able to jump right back then? That's wonderful. Yeah.
1: yeah. But But also, I had... I didn't take a leave of absence or anything. I kept my card and I paid, you know, every, every quarter mm-hmm. the full dues and everything. Not because I was ever expecting to come back, because I wasn't, but just out of respect mm-hmm. for the craft. How many
0: makeup artists were on the roster, you think, back then? Oh, <laughs> It's all a vastly different situation. Oh absolutely.
1: Now. absolutely. I have no idea. A few hundred maybe. No. Not even that? No, no. I, I I don't know if there would have been a hundred. That's a completely different situation
0: now. I mean, I don't know when you look at the black book, the and what I'm referring to is the seven oh six black we call it the black book. And it has all the names and phone numbers of artists in our local and, and you know, you look that's one thing that I have noticed to change. It used to say journeyman and then entry level. It used to be called something else before that when changed some terminology and now it's just roster. Yeah. It's all thrown together. But that 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 um, canary yellow section of the black buck is pretty good size. Mhm. That's um
1: a lot more artists now. Oh yeah. Well, you know the industry is so different than it was before. You know you had features and you had uh, CBS, NBC, ABC, and you know TV shows for that. Um, you know now you've got you've got more companies than I ever even hear of. You know when I when I get the uh, especially the Emmy uh, screeners and stuff and I look at these and I think, what where is this? Production shown, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's just so much—hundreds of, of DVDs.
0: And also at this time too, there's only just a few places in the world where they really shoot movies. There's very, very few. You, you've got what L.A. and New York and London, and not a lot beyond that. Nothing else is pr- pretty minimal. Uh, unlike now, it's a globalized industry. Yeah.
1: And and you know, um, Los Angeles was the major major hub. Mm-hmm. They did some in New York. They did some in London, not nothing like like it is today.
0: oh l a was doing i'm I'm guesstimating, but I'm sure they did more than New York and London combined. Oh, yeah, yeah, by, by far. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Hollywood is synonymous with with movies, which is not really the case anymore. yeah, but you you worked in a different Hollywood. Correct. You came out of a uh, you came into it during the 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 Hollywood system, the studio system, right. And you were there through that whole transition into it being all independent companies. Everybody's a lone range. Yeah. Each company's got their own stages, got their own people, and all that. What was that transition like?
1: Well, when I first started my apprenticeship, it was very slow. There were, there were not a lot of productions, even at Universal. Um, and about, Are you talking about union productions or non-union productions? Union productions. Okay. okay. And uh, so... By the time I finished my apprenticeship, things had moved up a lot. Okay, now I'm I'm working journeyman. In fact, prior to my finishing my three years, um, they were replacing a makeup artist who was doing the Virginian series, which was a Western, a a one-and-a-half-hour weekly Western. Hour and a half? Hour and a half. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so they were replacing him, and they threw me to the wolves. Uh, to be the department head on that show. Mm. Uh, And everything worked out fine. Um, And certainly after that, and the reason that they were able to do that was because almost all the makeup artists were working. And so they could take somebody from the street or they could take an apprentice and move them up. So I finished my apprenticeship basically as a journeyman. Uh, And then as time went along, it got busier and busier. And I remember a universal... There was a a big cork board they had, and each day they would have all of the the call sheets from each project. And some of those would be on the lot. Some of them would be day locations. Um, But I remember counting, and there were 25 projects being done on that particular day at Universal. Mm. Well, that meant if you had 25 projects, you had at least two makeup artists on there. Yeah, you know, so there's 50 makeup artists right there. Some might have had 3, you know, so it the, the the industry had really started to bloom.
0: Around that time is when Tom Berman and John Chambers did created the first off-site makeup effects shop. Everything had been done under the roof of a studio pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And I remember John Chambers hearing that from Tom Berman's story, that is that John Chambers did eventually didn't have any faith in that system. I just don't know how this is going to work. We can only do non-union projects. And he didn't think there would be that much of that. And so he ended up having Tom buy him out. So that is a shift in motion, different type of mindsets, going from a studio system where more like what a... A normal company, you have a Gin Air, we're we're in Leonard's kitchen, by the way. We're sitting here at the kitchen table and I'm looking at his Gin Air refrigerator. Gin Air uh, probably has some people on their company that design, people that manufacture and personnel and all that. Everyone who creates that refrigerator probably works for Gin Air. And movies and television, you speak that way too. Uh, I think probably that, that transition of going from well, I have to be a company person under this in order to succeed, to I'm being a freelance.
1: uh, Yes, well, it changed completely because, like you say, there were so many independents. Also, um, during that period of time that we've just been talking about, um, you didn't leave a studio. If you left the studio, you burned the bridge. Uh, And uh, so... You know, um, I got a call from Johnny Chambers when they were going to do Planet of the Apes. And he says, you know, I'd love to have you come over and, and work on it. And I said, Johnny. That's I'm, fox. Yeah. And I said, Johnny, I'm in, you know, such um, good shape here and demand. And, you know, I could almost pick my my projects here. And um, so, you know, I just... i. I can't. As much as I would love to do it, you know. And um, there were times I regretted it, but there were a lot of times that I was in the right spot. You know, during that period of time, I was um, set up to do um, Topaz with Alfred Hitchcock, which was just memorable, absolutely memorable. Unfortunately, Topaz wasn't necessarily memorable, but the experience certainly was.
0: Was Bud Westmore still the department head at that time?
1: No, Nick Marcelino was the
0: department head. So, okay, now Nick Marcelino is there, and so if you're going to say, "Hey, I'm going to go do this picture," then he would be what saying, "Okay, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out," right? Kind of right. thing. It yeah. was seen that way.
1: Yeah. Ten years after I started my apprenticeship, um, I had, as I mentioned, had you know this the courting from uh, Jeunesse Cosmetics, uh, and finally. I left, because I, and, and ironically I was probably about 33, 34, mm-hmm. and I had been the youngest makeup artist nominated for an Emmy. The Oscars were, there were no makeup, no, no yearly makeup for, uh, or Oscars for makeup, um, and it was getting to a point where some of the makeup departments were sort of folding down. I was thinking to myself, now again, I'm like, I'm going to say I'm 33, 34 years old. And I'm thinking, you know what? What more do I have to accomplish?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing just because I looked at how much you accomplished after that.
1: So, you know, thinking of that, I left and I went with a cosmetic company. Five years later... I was back as a makeup artist
0: one thing I, I find this really interesting about your career you've been a personal you've been department head you've been the person there to do makeup effects you've kind of been on all sides of it and not too many people are, are that way usually they're one you know usually mm. one sandbox that they play well in the, versus the others but you've you know you've done things like you know the rocky films uh, cat people and I think it's when you're doing things that are a little bit more prosthetic or mm-hmm. a very heavy character. Rambo. Yeah, yeah, Rambo. But you've also, you know, Meg Ryan and, and uh, Deborah Winger and, and Cher. And, and there's been plenty of, uh, you know, leading ladies that i happy to have you look after mm-hmm. them. Yeah.
1: You know, again, it's just been a, a miracle career. When I started, uh, if you were going to be an excellent makeup artist, you had to learn everything. You learned the beauty, you learned the character, you learned the prosthetics, you learned the hair work, and you became excellent at those things. And that was my goal all of the time to be excellent uh, in the in those areas. And uh, and it paid off.
0: You've always been a class act, so you've always ended up in good places. Cream does rise to the top. You've been those. Uh, the first time that I could become aware of you was. At Cinema Secrets, I had just gotten into the union, I want to say. So this would be late 80s. And I think it's when John Rizzo was the craft president at that time. And it was called Professionalism in the 80s, which sounds like a vintage. (laughs) Just the words coming out of my mouth now seem a little interesting. But at the time, as a, a young makeup artist just trying to figure out what's what, was you, I think it was Tommy Cole, Lisa Farron maybe a couple of others those that attended that meeting kind of asked different types of questions to those of you that were that were veterans at that time and I remember being very impressed with you of being not only giving very solid answers but you also gave very entertaining answers (laughs) you've always had a way with words And I remember thinking at that time, I thought, "Wow, this would be a great person to have uh, as the business rep representing us." Not knowing you really, I don't know. You probably had no idea who I was at that time. It was my first time being being aware of you, and you were, you know, a very in demand makeup artist at that time. But you did end up, um, eventually, running for the business agent of local seven hundred and six, and spent a, a season there. Right, three years. And then also another major piece is when uh, you alluded to it earlier that there had only been two Oscars prior to that that had been given to makeup artists, which would have been William Tuttle for Seven Faces of Dr. Lau. It would be 1968,
1: 67?
0: 60, Could be. I might be off on the air. And then the next one was to to John Chambers um, in 69, or. Plan the H, which was of course epic, <laughs> and out of that too is I. Um, you've always, I've always admired the way you've done this. You've always given credit to Dan Streetpet for that. Every single year I've seen, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself at the academy and whatnot. You've always um, honored him, which is which has been fantastic. But what I'm kind of taking us forward to is this pivotal conversation that you had with Dick Smith in regards to the Academy. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, I was in the Academy. I was a member, and at the time there was um, there wasn't a makeup and hair selling branch. Um, there was um, members at large and we were a group in members at large. There had been a picture, actually a picture that I had worked on um, uh, which is of Eastwick, and there was a lot of controversy in the meeting discussing this and all, and so there were two camps, sort of the prosthetic camp and the non-preseda camp, and there was really a sort of battle. And so Dick called me this one one day, and uh, you know, very honored that he would call first of all. And he said, you know, there are several of us that have talked because Bob Schiffer was going to be stepping down as the chairman Mm. so he said um, there are several of us that have talked and we we would like to have you be the chairman and um, he said if you're in agreement um, i will contact different people and we will send letters to you know the the academy asking for you to be the chairman well i was as honored as could be and uh, you know especially coming from dick smith oh my god you know, I always say, you know, if Dick asks for something, you say, and he said, if he said jump, you say how how high. Um, so I became the chairman.
0: Had you had dealings with him before? No, that was one of those pivotal instances. A pivotal Absolutely, day. yet another one in your career. Another
1: another pivotal uh, miracle. Yes,
0: I'm sure a lot of people listening to this just go, oh well. Every year there's several films that are up for the, the Academy Award for makeup. And take that for granted and not realize there hadn't been an award from 1969, 1981, when Rick Baker won for American Werewolf London. Right. And so that was a, a huge deal because now it would have been established as a category. Could
1: now, makeup... No, it was still members at large. <clears throat> it wasn't a category. Oh, really? No. It was a makeup group in, in the... Um, Members at large. But from an award
0: standpoint, wasn't that...
1: Uh, the, but that group could get an Academy Award. Okay.
0: So good. So there's the next step of that. So I, th- I think that history is really important and, and people not just go, oh, yeah, and just take it all for granted. Because there was a lot of work to pave the way for this to, to come to pass. So let's talk about just briefly about the evolution of what came to be what we saw. Yesterday, you and I were at the what's called the Bake Off which is, maybe you can tell me how that name even came about. I don't know where the, where the term came from, but everybody in the industry knows it. It's the, it's the day that the uh, Academy Makeup Arts and Hairstyles Branch come together, and the films that are being considered, put forward, they're able to show film clips, and those artists can answer questions, and and that's when the nomination vote is done for who's going to be nominated for the Oscar. You and I were in that room yesterday, and seen men, and for the first time ever, ten films were put forward, and five uh, are, are chosen, which is a, a another shift. It's a, another growing uh, of that. So we have seen and a lot of, and projects.
1: another another proud accomplishment on my part.
0: You, you've done so much, and I, I just want to make sure that people know that from where we've gone from not having an Oscar for makeup to where we are now that five uh, in about another week's time or so Mm -hmm. five films will be announced as being nominated for uh, for makeup and hair Mm -hmm. so that give me just a a brief description of how we got from having no category to now
1: well I had been um, I had been the chairman for a period of years uh, and I would attend certain meetings and such uh, and um, who of course was trying to take every opportunity I could to promote um, our group as a branch and um, at one of the meetings the um, the chairman of the um, the costume designers was pushing for um, a branch and he gave all the reasons why they should be a branch and the number of people that were involved in, in their their group and this and that and he went on and when he got done everybody was pretty positive about it and I said you know what if the costumers group could become a branch then certainly the makeup artists and hairstylists or at that time it was the makeup artists could become a branch because we have more people in our in our group we have this we have this we have this we you know and gave them all the reasons and everything and they bought it. And they brought in the costume costume designers as a branch shortly after that. And the makeup, at that time, it was just the makeup artists, or makeup as a branch.
0: And so everyone understands this, that uh, up till this time, so when that vote for nomination, the bake-off, as we call that, it wasn't just makeup artists and hairstylists in this vote. What what other types of people could vote on... on, uh, that makeup and and hair category who else was in the room
1: well it was set up as soon as the you know they started the the award um because it was such a small group of makeup artists and hairstylists um they felt that there needed to be additional people in the, the voting group so they would be costume designers there would be um directors um several other groups might have been art directors and several different other groups so that they could get you know a cross section of people so that it wouldn't just be controlled by let's say one one group that did such and such picture then once we became a branch and we had a larger number of people then that was no longer necessary to have those additional people attending
0: and that was a big deal
1: very yeah it was huge Yes, once once we got a branch, then we were able to have a governor. And so that became
0: uh, a definitely a more po- powerful political point. There's a voice now. Now, so yes. the makeup now has a voice at the governor's exactly,
1: hands. exactly. And so I was chosen to be the governor, mm-hmm. which I was the governor for many years. Yeah. I, I could only serve nine years. Or three, three three year terms mm-hmm. uh, in, in succession, and then I would have to take um, a year off. Um, and uh, so, I, term limits. Yeah, so I served the three terms, and I took the time off, and then I was elected again as a governor.
0: And then at one point, you also became a vice president.
1: That's correct. I was the vice president of the academy for, for two sessions.
0: It's a feather in your cap, and also, I think, for our craft.
1: Well, especially when you, when you think, <clears throat> when I first got in the Academy, we were a group in the members at large. Now we're talking about being a vice president of the Academy. Lois Burwell, um, just recently or um, the year before, became a vice president. So, when you figure the way the makeup artists and, and hairstylists were looked impacted before, it was much smaller. Now you're talking about vice presidents and first vice presidents. You know, so it's a giant leap. You know, when we first uh, became a branch, it was makeup, and then after a period of time, I was able to get it changed to the makeup artists and hairstylists branch. Even though the hairstylist could be recognized, but now it was a makeup artist and hairstylist branch. So that was another great accomplishment in recognizing our crafts. You,
0: you know, you shepherd this along and paved the way for much that we have now. And you've those that are going to come after you are going to have... A much better time because of what you've established in that let me, let me just shift gears for a second what do you think that what would you like them to know that you feel that they, they don't uh they don't have correct
1: well i think some people may feel that the awards are sort of a uh a favored sort of situation um you know we go through such measures to make sure that we're identifying the proper films Um, we have through the year we have meetings where we go through the films that have been uh, released during that time period and we say here are films that should be seen we send that out to the membership and then we do that the next year or the next meeting and we say okay these have been dropped out here's the ones that we say and we do that all the way through the year so that by the time we get to the The end of the year, we um, ideally um, um, have about eighteen films that we're looking at. Now, this year was different because everything got moved up so far. So, some of the films that we had not seen in the November meeting, we were discussing in the December meeting because they had to go forward. So, there was just a large list. But, but we take those steps all the way through. To ensure, and then on the last, uh, the last meeting, we have gathered information from the different makeup artists, uh, the apartment heads, different makeup artists on the show, as far as the contribution of the three most responsible individuals, um, and then that's evaluated as to whose name will uh, be nominated. There can be a maximum of three. And it's the three that are most responsible. Mm-hmm. So you to be one of those three you really have to have been involved and responsible for what's going to be looked at.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I think maybe is not as well known as the amount of due diligence, which is I think that's will be my turn for it, of what's done. There's there's a lot of care and it's not willy nilly going, oh, okay, sure, we'll put their name on the list. And and in the process of doing so, some of them, there, there's, there's some hurt feelings in that, And it, but it really does seem like the there really is a push for the integrity for those most responsible.
1: Yeah. You know, we don't want somebody to be on there who, you know, just was there doing, doing the job that they were supposed to do, but really responsible. Because it's broken down into so many different categories, uh, so that... Um, you know they have to be involved with those situations
0: you've had a, a, an amazing career of course you're at this end of the road and and you can see all things that were accomplished not that it was all smooth mm-hmm. and not all sunny days no if you go back and if you could get mr wells machine and go back and change something what would it be
1: oh wow i don't know i don't know that i would change anything you know, I was very proud to have um, um, brought forward, actually, at two different meetings, I brought forward Dick Smith's name for um, for a governor's award. Uh, the first time I brought it up, and um, we talked about it and everything, and it didn't happen. Um, and I happened to notice that one of the uh, individuals who was presenting had a stack of books that the uh, that that the. Uh, the person he was talking about had written and all, and so I thought the next year when I was going to be presented, I brought in, I was going to bring in the books and talk to them, and you know, so, so as it worked out, I, I at that particular time I was retired. I chose to come out of retirement to um, work on uh, sort of the introductory area of the uh, the facial hair for um, Oz the Great and Powerful. So I was going to be gone. So I talked to the, the, um, the head of the academy, and I said, now, you know, here's the situation. I'm going to be gone. Can we have somebody else present it? And that time we didn't have three governors. And he said, no, it, it has to be presented by a governor. But he says, you know what? I have such respect for Dick Smith. I will present it. Wow. So I gave him the speech that I had written. I gave him the three books, and I talked to him afterwards. And he said, "Yes, Dick got in." And he says, "Here's what I did: I took your three books, and I t- did about three or four other books. I did put your books on top so that it looked like he had written all these books. <laughs> and then I made your presentation, and we got it through." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's part of show business. But
1: you know, yes. but that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have done that if he hadn't had a great deal of respect, one for Dick and two for me.
0: Yeah, both those had to be in place for that. Yeah, And a beautiful thing because of it, too, because it was a wonderful evening and I wasn't able to attend that. But i it's uh, just darling, you know, some of the things that were said. and yeah, I'm glad that he got to experience that. He yes, certainly deserves yes. It. You've done a, a number of things that are that are very selfless you've done those because of this there's people that needed to be honored and what was good for our craft and I hope that that's one of the things that people will be inspired by what you do at least I am I am I'm always trying to figure out when if I grow up I want to be like Leonard you um, anyway thanks for taking the time to talk and tell us just this little sliver really you're hitting the highlights of really what your career is but um, yeah it's uh, it's been amazing thank you my
1: friend thank you
0: thank you for listening to the makeup artist magazine podcast if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe if you want to spread the word give us a five-star review and tell your friends this show is available on spotify itunes and anywhere you listen to podcasts Visit us online for more great content at MakeupMag.com. I'm Michael Key. Thanks for listening.